in this room today feel like that young man, Todd? How many of you feel like you haven't yet connected with the Holy Spirit in any significant way? You go to church, you go through a lot of the motions, you are a good person compared to the people around you, uh, whatever. But you're wondering, is there more? And I want you to know, if that's where you are, I get that. I understand that. And I feel your confusion, and I admit to you, I'm still growing in this area too. All of us are. All of us are trying to understand God better and to live in such a, in such a way that God is a real part of every moment of our day. There's a connection with God that maybe is missing in your life. And I hope today that we can kind of gain a, a better understanding of not only who the Holy Spirit is, we've been talking about that, and what the Holy Spirit is doing, but a better understanding of how you can get that connection with God through His Holy Spirit. And I hope that that understanding will give you direction and focus for starting what should be and could be a long, strong, lifelong relationship with God. For the past two Sundays, we've been studying the Holy Spirit, third person of the Godhead, along with God the Father, God the Son. And we have discovered why he came to earth in the first place, that Jesus promised him to his disciples as he left bodily, that he would send the Spirit back, and the Spirit would be with all of them, would be with all believers. He would be living inside of us to strengthen us, to comfort us, to, to help us grow, to, to enable us to do whatever God wants us to do in our lives. And last week, then, we learned that the Holy Spirit is out in the world to convict the world of sin and of their need for God, of need for a Savior in Jesus Christ, and that they need to repent and turn back to God just as He convicted us at one point. And we made that decision to follow Christ. He still convicts us today, doesn't He? He still has a very active ministry there of convicting us of our need to further repent or to work on some areas of our lives where we still don't have it quite right. One of the most dramatic stories that Jesus ever told was the story of a young man, second son of a man, uh, who demanded his inheritance early. And so his father gave him what was coming to him later and uh, said, okay, here's, here's what you have. And he went off to a foreign country and he squandered it, didn't he? We call it the parable of the prodigal son. Because this prodigal left what was good, what was a blessing, and he decided he knew better. He knew what would, would work out better in his life, and it didn't work out at all. And it, it's a tragic story, except for the fact that at one point, this young man comes to his senses, finally. And he, he realizes, man, I had it so good back home. I don't really deserve to be a son anymore, but I'll go back and ask if I can just be one of my father's hired hands. And yet when he gets home, his father's already waiting for him. He runs and he embraces him. He throws a party for him because his lost son has been found. His dead son is now alive. This Luke 15 is where the story of Jesus is told for us. I wonder if sometimes we've treated the Holy Spirit in the same way, as if he was this inheritance given to us, and yet we've squandered it, not by lavishly spending him, but by keeping him bottled up by not discovering the true inheritance that he is in our lives? Have we squandered this treasure that was given to us? Have we left the Spirit's power untouched and untapped in our lives? Well, thankfully, we too can come to our senses and realize 
the blessing that God intends in the Holy Spirit before it is too late. We can repent. We can realize what an awesome thing God has done for us in making us his children. We can claim our inheritance and we can learn to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. First verse I want to look at today is in Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And it talks about our sonship, our, our daughterhood to God, that we are the children of God. And this is what Paul says, Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. We are not slaves, but sons and daughters of God. And even though he is our creator, he is the one almighty God of the universe, he has invited us to call him Abba. Very familiar term. We would say daddy or maybe papa or dad. We are invited to receive our full inheritance, our full rights as sons and daughters of God. It is an amazing thing that we have been given when we didn't deserve it. But this inheritance must be accepted. This inheritance must be opened up. It must be made use of. It could be refused. It can be ignored. It can be denied. And that offer would then be squandered, just as the prodigal son squandered his inheritance. One of the coolest baptisms we ever witnessed was back in the 1980s. It was in Florida. We were ministering there. And we had this young couple in our church, Dave and Lynn Hollenbach. And they, he had two sons from his first marriage. And the day came for David Jr. to be baptized. Well, we had a baptistry that was up front. It was under kind of the floor. And we would take this lid off, and then we'd have a baptism. So David Sr. and David Jr. got into the baptistry, and he started to get ready to baptize. And we're all just watching. And before he did, he says, I want to tell you how proud I am that my son has finally reached this decision, you know, in his life, that he's going to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and he's going to be baptized. And it's just an exciting moment for us. And, of course, we're all like that, and, and uh, kind of get a little teary-eyed already just watching this father and son together. And then David baptized David Jr. And when he raised him up out of the water, he said some of the coolest words I've ever heard of baptism. He said, this is now my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. These are the words that God spoke when Jesus was baptized. And when he put that together in that baptism, then everybody started crying. Oh boy, what an emotional moment for everybody. You know, just so incredible. And as I thought about that, this is God's blessing. God says, Jesus said, that angels rejoice whenever a sinner repents. And all of heaven was erupting in praise and celebration when David Jr. was baptized into Christ. And all he's doing is actually acknowledging that. So it wasn't presumptuous to say the words that God sent to Jesus because David Jr. too is a son of God. And so are you. You are a son or daughter of Almighty God. And you have reclaimed by his grace what was yours and you lost through sin. And it is an incredible thing that happens here. Francis Chan wrote in his book, Forgotten God, Through the Spirit we have received a spirit of adoption as children, which leads us into an intimacy with the Father, instead of a relationship that is based on fear and slavery. The Spirit bears witness to us that we are his children. 
There is nothing worse than insecurity, he said. So many people live in fear because they are uncertain about what comes next and they're standing before God, even if they believe in God. On the flip side, there's nothing better than being absolutely sure that the most powerful being in the universe adores you as his own child. This is precisely the confidence the Holy Spirit offers us. So today, we want to find out how we can live as children of God and heirs of the promises that he has made to us. And I want to ask you this morning, where you are right now in 2014, are you in touch with the Holy Spirit? Is there a connection between you and the Holy Spirit? Is he just kind of this, this quantity that you haven't yet identified, not yet you know, made a personal relationship with? Do you know how to make contact? Do you know how to get in touch with him? It may be an uncomfortable thing for you to think about that. You know, oh, that's kind of weird. No, it's not weird. It's what God has given you as a blessing, as a promise. And you need to be able to understand and to develop this relationship with him. Secondly, are you in tune with the Holy Spirit? Are you in tune with what he wants? Are you in tune with what he's trying to do in your life? These are two big questions for today. Are you in touch and are you in tune? Well, what is getting in touch? We begin to develop a relationship with God, much like any other personal relationship we have. If you have a new friendship, maybe somebody you met at work, somebody moved in next door, or a new member of the family, maybe comes in through marriage or whatever, and you have this new relationship, how do you build that? Well, you take time together. You talk to each other. You get to know each other. You ask questions. You know, what was your background? What was this and what was that? And, and as you learn that story of their life and they learn the story of your life, you begin to know each other better and understand each other better. Now, obviously, you can't say to the Holy Spirit, I'll meet you at 10.30 on Friday at Starbucks. It's not going to happen. Because he's already with you. He's already inside of you. But how are you going to connect with him? You're going to connect with him through conversation and through building a relationship as you would someone else. So I suggest you find a nice quiet spot where there are no distractions. And since he's already inside you, you just begin talking to him the same way that you may already pray to God because he is God. You begin talking to him. You can say your prayers out loud or you can just say them in your mind. Maybe some other people around, you don't want them to be in on whatever you're saying because he can hear you. He's already inside you, already knows your thoughts, already knows in your mind. You can say to him whatever you want. But I suggest you talk to him humbly and simply and, and uh, you have this approach you know, where, where you're the son or the daughter, he's the dad. You may begin by saying, I'm not really sure what to say. I don't know how to begin this conversation, but I want to begin it. And so I ask you that you would make yourself known to me. I'm not sure how to begin, but I want to know you better. In fact, you may need to say that right now. As we're sitting here, we're having this sermon together today, this time of, of going to God's Word. You may want to say in your heart right now, Holy Spirit, speak to me. I'm opening myself up to you. I don't know what else to say except I want more of you. I, I want you in my life. And you open yourself up to whatever he might say. Please speak to me. Even as, as the preacher's talking today, speak to my heart. So when you get along with God, take your Bible with you. The Bible is a, is a very important tool that the Holy Spirit has created and uses so that we could understand God's ways better. This is God's revelation of himself to us. The Holy Spirit's the author of this through the 40 different writers of the, the books of the Old, of Old Testament and New. 
And the Word of God has a lot of information about the Holy Spirit. That's what we've been studying the last couple of weeks, some of that. Who is He? What is He doing? What is He up to? And He wants you to understand these things. As He reveals these things to you, you can get to know Him better as He already knows you very well. And your relationship will grow. Open your heart and your spirit to Him. Ask Him to speak to you however He may choose. It may not just be from this book. It may be through prayer. It may be through a friend. It may be through a circumstance in your life. And God is trying to teach you something as your heart is open, as your mind is looking for these things. The Holy Spirit communicates a number of ways. I do want to encourage you one caution, that anything He says to you will square with it in this Word. And if it doesn't, be very suspicious of that. Because the Holy Spirit is not the author of confusion, the Bible says. Whatever he says to you, whatever he wants of you, whatever he wants you to do, will always square with the rest of the Word of God. Ask for his fruit to be planted and cultivated within your character, within your attitudes, within your actions, to develop you, to grow you, that you could become the person God wants you to become. And then as you go through your daily life, stay in touch with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us for a lot of benefits. Francis Chan gives us a good list of those benefits just to quickly review. He's our helper when we're in precarious circumstances, when we're in difficulty. He is our counselor. He reaches out and reminds us uh, of whatever we need to know and remember. He is our power to help us be uh, strong and courageous witnesses for God. He is the one who convicts us of our sins. So if we got mess up in our lives, God confronts us and says, you know, you got to get that right. I'm not going to just leave you with that. You just can't hang on to that. And uh, as the Holy Spirit is talking to us, sometimes he wants to take this very direct confrontational approach. He leads us into intimacy with God so that we feel more and more secure in our relationship with God based on grace, not upon our goodness. He gives us hope whenever everyone else around us has kind of given up. It doesn't matter because God is with us. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And all these these things start coming back, and he gives us the courage we need. And he develops our fruit, the fruit of his uh, spirit within us and helps us in our weaknesses. So staying in touch with the spirit is like this ongoing conversation. Have you ever heard of the idea of, of conversational prayer? Brother Lawrence was a French monk that lived back in the 17th century. And he called it practicing the presence of God. And for about 40 years of his life, the last 40 years, he made a determined effort every moment of every day, every waking moment, to be talking to God, to be sharing that moment with God, and asking for God to intervene, for God to converse with him, to communicate, to use him, whatever. And throughout the daily experience of those 40 years, Brother Lawrence made a point to do that. He said things like this, Let us occupy ourselves entirely in knowing God. The more we know Him, the more we will desire to know Him. As love increases with knowledge, the more we know God, the more we will truly love Him. And we will love to learn Him equally, both in times of distress or in times of great joy. So, talk to God. Stay in touch with God. Talk to Him as you wake up in the morning. Talk to Him as you get ready for the day. Talk with Him as you leave the house and do whatever you normally do. Talk with Him as you meet people at school or at work or on the street. As you face the trials of your life. As you enjoy relaxation time or recreation. Continue to talk with God. I want to give you an example of that. So watch this video. 
I really like the way this guy is living his life. Okay. Point, not so well taken, but you understand. Here's the guy that's going through his life, and as he's heading off to work, he's already got some people in mind. He's already got a job to do, and he's thinking as he goes, Holy Spirit, I'm on my way to work. Use me. I'm not sure where this is going to go. I'm not sure how the other guys are going to react. But you've put me here. You've asked me to do this. I'm ready. And that's the way he lives his life. I want to encourage you just to stay in touch with God every moment of every day. Talk with him. Seek his will so you can live as he wants you to. The second part of this is getting in tune. This is a little different than getting in touch. Getting in touch is establishing contact and keeping that contact. But getting in tune is where you start matching what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. And the scripture talks about getting in step with the Spirit. We're going to look at a scripture about that too in just a minute. Why don't you uh, tell me what you think this is right here. Anybody know what this is? It's a tuner. Okay, what does that mean? It's a tuner. It means it sings. Okay, so you put in right here this little jack. You put in your instrument, maybe guitar probably. You're trying to figure out what it is. I assume that's for a guitar because it's getting you all the pitches for the guitar strings, right? Okay. Could do the same thing. Mitch Spray has often played with bands and orchestras and various uh, musical groups. Mitch, I want to ask you a question here in front of everybody. How important is it for the entire band to be in tune with each other? <laughs> One word answer. Very what happens if everybody decides they'll choose their own starting pitch? <laughs> Chaos is another one-word answer for that, okay? How do they get in tune with each other before the concert? If somebody picks up the pitch and they match Okay, so all the other instruments match the one instrument that was the standard setter, the one that says, okay, this is B-flat, or this is whatever, and everybody matches that tone so the whole orchestra is on the same wavelength, or whatever you would call it, the same pitch. Can you imagine how terrible it would be if a band all chose their own pitch? Could you imagine how terrible a church is when everybody chooses their own pitch? Think about that. When everybody says, I'm not going to listen to the Holy Spirit, I'm going to do what I think is right. I'm going to do what I think is the way to go. I'm going to do it as I think the Word says to do it. And everybody's off just doing their own thing and not even listening to the Holy Spirit who can establish the true pitch. He has the standard. He has the answer. When we try to set our own pace or our own pitch or our own standard, a lot of trouble comes out of that. Galatians 5, 16, and 18 says this. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. So that you do not do what you want. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Two words used in that passage. First of all, live by the Spirit. Secondly, be led by the Spirit. Why? Because there's a conflict going on. There's a battle. And the battle is being fought inside of us. And we can either live by that fleshly nature that, that has you know, its own way of doing things and its own evil uh, pleasures that it's seeking after, or we can be in concert with the Spirit of God, in tune with the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is contrary to the fleshly nature. They just don't get along. They never will. Because the fleshly nature is all about what I want, about my pleasing myself. But the Spirit of God is about pleasing God. And we decide whether or not we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, don't we? We decide it every day. Now, how many of you have ever been in love with someone? If you're married, you better raise your hand real quick. <laughs> <laughs> you could be in serious trouble if you don't raise your hand real quick. Okay. Have you ever been in love with someone? Okay. Have you ever tried to get someone to love you, whether they did or not? Have you ever tried? What did you do? You pursued them, didn't you? You wooed them. That's a very old word. I don't even know what other word we would say. But, but you were striving to get them to like you. You were doing nice things for them. You were bringing them gifts, paying extra attention to them, uh, maybe carrying their books when you were a kid back in school, you know, or, or, or maybe bringing them a favorite snack or treat that they enjoy. All the way that you were dating somebody, you're trying to win them over to you and convince them that you're the best thing they've ever met. And they ought to get married to you because you're wonderful. You know, you're trying to convince them of that. Now, after you get married, sometimes some of that stuff goes away, doesn't it? I already achieved what I was looking for. I've already satisfied that. I hope that doesn't happen. But as you love someone, you should continue to do things for them because you care about them and you want to please them. And the Holy Spirit is like that. Getting in tune with him is desiring to love God and to live for God. And that love should be the motivation, not fear, not not the dread of being punished someday. The greatest motivation is not fear, but love. Make sure you know that. Because if you're having trouble with sin in your life, if you're having trouble with things in your life that don't please God, it's usually because you haven't grown to love Him enough. You haven't grown to really want to please Him. Because He is He's the best in your life, and you want Him to know your love. I want to do a demonstration this morning. I want to invite a couple of these young guys to come up here. Uh, real simple thing, guys. Who wants to come up? All you got to do is hold this glass. Okay, Michael, come up here. Who else? One more. Come on, Nathan. Okay, now, I am glad that these two guys come up, and you can help them, but these guys are up here because they have great powers of discernment, and uh, they can understand things that no one else can understand. So I'm going to do a little demonstration, and uh, I want you guys to think really carefully before you answer, okay? And you can solicit help from the audience if you want to, okay? Now I'm going to do something here, first of all with Michael's glass. Now don't say anything, okay? But watch, watch this, okay? Okay? All right, just keep that in mind. Now, uh, there's a little part that goes along with this demonstration here, and... Uh, 
Okay, let me see if I can get the rest of it come out of there. Okay, now hold the two up for everybody to see. And I want you to think about this. What is the difference between this glass and this glass? Can you tell the difference? <laughs> okay, one is full of foam and the other one is still clear. And what, what is the difference? What is the reason for that? Anybody have great powers of discernment? One, the package is open, and the other one, it's still closed. Now, what does this have to say about us and the Holy Spirit? James Emery Wright teaches his seminary students by this same simple demonstration the difference between a person who is being filled with the Holy Spirit and a person who is not. Because all of us, as followers of Christ, have been given the Holy Spirit. He's already inside us. He's been given to us. There's nothing you can do about that. If you are a follower of Christ, you are given the Holy Spirit. But there's a tremendous difference between this Christian and this Christian, and the difference is whether or not the package was ever opened. Whether or not they ever allowed the Holy Spirit access to every part of their lives, or whether they tried to keep him contained and keep him sequestered off, maybe in quarantine. That's a nice favorite word today. <laughs> Don't let the power out of the bag. Don't, don't let this power get into my life because things might radically change if I do. Thank you, guys. You did a great job. Give them a hand. <laughs> and I want you to think about that because this is, in a very simple way, what too many of us have done with the Holy Spirit. We thought, okay, I've got him. Great. And every once in a while, we'll crack the foil just a little bit. Oh, I need him right now. I need comfort. I need him right now because I need direction. And then after we get that little bit from we seal it back up. Uh-oh, don't let him loose. Don't let him have too much impact in my life. But a Christian who really loves God, who wants God to have their whole life, will just open it up and say, Okay, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Tell me whatever you want to say. I'm wide open. I'm not holding you out to, to, to keep you away from certain parts of my life. And when we do that, it changes everything. J.B. Phillips said, The presence of God is a fact of life. Paul rightly said of God, If in him we live and move and have our being. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is within you. But we may, by defying the purpose of God, insulate ourselves from that presence. We may, by unrepented sin, cut off the sense of God because we are clouded by a sense of guilt. We may, through no fault of our own, be unable to sense that God, who is all about us, has this purpose for our lives. But the fact is, he's with us all the time. We learned in my Sunday school class a few weeks ago that God is a gentleman. I think C.S. Lewis said that first. He doesn't force himself he doesn't force his will even on Christians who have decided to follow Christ. He's a gentleman that he says, this is best for you. This is what I want for you. I will enable you to live that way. But we must choose him. He still leaves our free will intact all the way through. Andrew Murray's prayer then says it all. May not a single moment of my life be spent outside the light, love, and joy of God's presence. And not a moment without the entire surrender of myself as a vessel for him to fill full of his spirit and of his love. 
There was a man who did not know what was wrong in his life. He knew there's something going on. He seemed to fail at everything he attempted. His parents had been wealthy, so he inherited a considerable amount of money. However, he failed everything he ever tried to do on his own. And now he'd about run through the money. He's almost broke. And his wife decided to leave him because as she screamed back at him, you're just a jellyfish failure. Well, in the final analysis, his trouble was found to be one thing, fear. He was afraid. He started a spiritual quest. He realized that as he thought about fear, that dominant force of mind produced after its kind, and he had more and more fear. He just you know, gave into his fears, and he had more fear. All he had feared had come upon him. It was found that his fears began in early childhood, instilled by a very austere father who seemed to never show love for his son or anyone else. In childhood, the man had patterned his ideas of God after his father, so he related to God through fear, too. And God apparently did not love him or think him worthy of love in return. So the man learned to fear God and people and the future and himself, his own abilities. Well, it came to a point in church one day when the man was looking over his life and he thought, what is lacking in my life? And he realized what was lacking was love. And he was so glad to hear the day that the preacher told him that perfect love casts out fear. Love replaces fear. And he thought to himself, I wonder what it would be like if I could live even one day of my life without fear. Be totally fearless. So he prayed for the next two to three years to be filled with God's spirit, to be filled with perfect love, to be so connected with God that he was fearless in the way he lived his life. And over time, as he practiced the presence of God in his life, he started to feel God's love. He started to realize God loved him in spite of his failures, in spite of his mistakes. He started to get to know God as someone who loved him, not someone that he was to live in fear of. It was a God that accepted him just as he was and loved him without reservation. And he learned then to love himself, finally. He started to love other people because he saw them through God's eyes. He started to feel great joy in his heart and others felt his love because now he could express it freely regardless of how they responded. Didn't live in fear. Now, this did not happen overnight. But in the course of his life, there was a period when this man changed. And instead of everything failing in his life, everything turned to gold. Kind of like a Midas touch. When he changed from fear to love as the motivation, reason for his life, everything changed. Life does not have to be a story of your failures. It does not have to be a story lived in fear. It can be the story of your love for God and your love for other people. Because you are a son or daughter of God. And you have been given the Holy Spirit inside of you so that you could be embraced by God as, you want, as He wants you to embrace Him. So that you can be loved by God as He already loves you. But we must stay in touch with the Holy Spirit. He will not force himself. It must be our choice to be in touch with him, to be connected to him, to be conversing with him, communicating back and forth so we will know his will and his ways. And we must be in tune with the Holy Spirit because otherwise we can't please God because he's the one that teaches us what is right and wrong, what is good and bad, and what is appropriate and inappropriate, and what is loving and what is not. 
One day, my prayer is that God will look upon our lives and he'll say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Let's pray. Father, I pray for us. I pray for our hearts when we get so closed off through fear or insecurity that you can't even speak to us. I pray that we would learn your love. We would learn your love for us and your love for each other. And I pray that we would learn even to love ourselves when we are at our worst, when we have failed miserably. Help us to know you still accept us and you still love us. You want better for us. You want us to learn a better way to, to live, but you still love us. Help us, Lord, to embrace you, to connect with you. May we each day as we go uh, through the moments of the day, the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep, may our thoughts be on you. Uh, that we would bring everything we're experiencing into your presence and ask for your grace, for your help, for your leadership, for your, your courage, whatever it is we need moment by moment. Lord, this is a very hard thing to do. This is something that must be learned over a period of time. But your Holy Spirit has been given to us. He is the promise and the blessing that you've given uh, to every believer. Help us, Lord, to be in touch and in tune. In Jesus' name, amen.